0: Welcome to episode 13, unlucky for some but not for you guys listening Of from the Be the Burnley FC podcast. Um, we're back, the football's back this weekend, we had an enforced break very early on due to Luton Town not getting their stadium ready. Uh, but we're back in action this Sunday against Aston Villa um, and as ever uh, we've got a full squad to discuss the latest ins and outs, the Villa game and also, it looks like it's back on, ALK wanting to buy another football club. Um, so as ever, Simon Evans, Chris Borden, Justin Connolly and Paul Woodhouse join me uh, for this week's episode. Uh, let's start with some incomings. We've had two this week, two in the same day, absolutely spoiled. Uh, Hannes Delcroix, uh, a Belgium left back, left centre half, uh, coming in from Anderlecht, he's well known to Vincent Company. Um, He's come in for about a million euros, I think, uh, is the quarter deal. Uh, and then, of course, we had the long-running saga of Aaron Ramsey came to an end with a rather fetching Ken and Barbie video, reveal video. Um, the the young 3 Lions star joining from Aston Villa, Sunday's opponent's course, in a deal worth about 14 million quid. Uh, we think as an, an initial, of course, all transfer fees undisclosed, uh, such is the way of the world. Uh, what do we think about those... Incomings Justin, let's start with you. What do we think about that? So Delqua and Ramsey bolstering our Premier League squad.
1: Um, I think Ramsey's a good signing, positive player with a bit of pace, you know. Um, uh, maybe it's because I've heard of him, he's like one of the few players that we've signed that I've actually seen play before we've uh, before we've, we've signed him on. He did okay at Middlesbrough the second half of last season, did he? I think he scored. Five in five in eleven, something like that. It's represented England all the way up to the under under twenties. So each fits that profile player that we buy and improve, and then and then you know sell on it. And it to me, it's quite exciting that we sign in these kind of players, these England international young players who at this stage of the career, rather than like before they've made it or when they're knackered at the end of the career. It's it's nice that we're getting them, you know, at a point where we can, you know make them better and, and take advantage of them. Um, Delacroix, another one that's completely unknown to me. I got a bit excited when I saw him wearing the number three shirt. I thought he was the missing left back, but apparently I'm told he's a bit more of a centre back. Um, and I just, how many of those do we need? You know, I, by my reckoning, we've got about six senior players now who can play there, but I suppose, we don't know what company's plans are tactically you know if he's going to play that three at the back then maybe we will need we will need six but it would be interesting to see how he can keep all those uh, all those wingers and all those center backs happy over the season
0: yeah and i thought whoever had 3 minutes for the dale stevens summer signing transfer <laughs> window was going to get lucky then when uh, when justin was talking about signing players at the the start of their career but but woody um it does seem like we're still looking for that left-back and probably a striker. But Aaron Ramsey, um, I, I like the look of him last year for Norwich in the first half, Middlesbrough in the second half. It is another kind of positive sign that this this strategy that we've got seems to be working.
2: That's exactly right. And he, he seems to be, off his highlights reel and what we've seen of him, like I say, out Norwich and Middlesbrough, it looks like a ready-made teller-replacement. He's got that slight impudence. He's got some a little bit more about him than just running in straight lines, etc. Um he has a nice little touch, he can find a ball, he can hit it with his left foot quite nicely as well, to all extents and purposes. And he also seems a very nice lad. That interview with you know, his his initial interview, he seemed a very level headed, decent guy who really wants to do well for Burnley. So I think that's a good start.
0: Yeah, Chris, just picking up on that interview, very, very enthusiastic. And, uh, you know, you've interviewed, you know, I I bet you don't even care to remember the amount of people you've interviewed at Burnley over the years. But that's what we want. He he seems to really endear himself to Burnley fans with that interview. He's, you know, absolutely buzzing, said he couldn't take the smile off his face. That goes a long way, doesn't it, when a young lad is coming in and, and I know they're making the right noises. But that's what you love to see, isn't it? 100%.
3: Oh, 100%. You know, you, you can always tell when a player's you know, it, yeah, you you don't complete the move and you know unless you happen to go through with it obviously, but you can always tell when a player's maybe moved against his sort of uh, you know, his better intentions, you know, maybe he wanted if he felt he, he you know deserved to stay put where he was and earn a chance at a bigger club for example, but uh, as you say there's there's no sort of uh, Elements of that, that, you know, there's, there's no regret. I mean, obviously, there's the uh, you know the buyback clause that if he does well for Burnley, you know, Villa can pick him up down the line. But uh, it's yeah, he, 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 that willingness to go out as well. You know, he obviously doesn't care where in the country. Like last year, to, you couldn't get two more disparate. <laughs> you know to go on loan at Norwich for the first half of the season, and then go on loan at Middlesbrough. You know, you put it, you put in in the miles, aren't you? But uh, yeah, I believe me, you know you don't. Not not wholly popular in Norwich because I think he uh, he celebrated a goal for Middlesbrough against them. Any later in the season, and uh, you know, give the give the fans a bit a bit, a bit of stick. But uh, I say he's got that he, like that sort of teller profile where he can play as like a wide forward or off the front, or probably through the middle if if, if, if pushed. Yeah, he can generate a, you know, a yard of space. And uh, I say the, the the age is just well. <laughs> Just perfect. It fits the company profile perfectly. And uh, I think, I mean, he he may well be the most exciting of the lot so far.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Simon. You know, Chris mentioned there about him upsetting Norwich fans. I don't know if you get as annoyed at me of players not celebrating against teams they've played for. I can get it, you know, if you're an Andy Payton, you're born in Burnley, you're a big Burnley fan. But it really winds me up when players you know, do the old kind of calm down, I'm not celebrating. They've spent like, you know, 12 games on loan there. He he, he seems to have that enthusiasm, that teller ad. You know, he's got the smile, that teller ad. He's, you know, he's he thinks like, you know, he said he's settled in. Somebody did point out to me that I think in the interview video, he did say the words, we're all excited for Friday, which perhaps suggested that he was signed as we expected him to be prior to the, the city game and for whatever reason it's taken us two weeks to announce it but are you are you enthused by that I know earlier in the week you were perhaps scratching your head and wondering whether the window had, had kind of slowed down a bit shall we say or start to fizzle does that kind of lift the energy against you know for this window a bit?
4: Yeah, it does. Um, I, I agree with everything that's been said about him and, and the interview was great. I mean, w- why they didn't edit out that bit where he said, I'm really looking forward to Friday. I don't know. They must have thought nobody would notice, but we all did, obviously. Um, but yeah, they've yeah. held on to that for some reason. Um, but it, I think, yeah, I mean, look, it's like Christmas, isn't it? The transfer window. And we're all like kids at Christmas. And, you know, if the, if the stocking is, is, is pretty full at the end of the window, then we're all happy. I mean, I would say these two signings, lacroix is definitely a sort of selection box chocolate money sort of signing that's just going in there just to, he's re, he's really a stocking filler isn't he a squad filler um, he's not a player who you're thinking oh he's gonna he's gonna come in and change our defense around um he might do because none of us have seen him um and and ramsey i mean you know what what is ramsey He's that is that sort of you know he's that shiny toy that you did want really you know that you really really wanted and you hope it, it it's got the batteries inside. Oh I love that. That this this Christmas analogy just went on
0: and on and on and we even got the batteries at the end. But um, oh, you we, oh, no, he's come back from the cricket and he's his eyes a kite on uh, on kind of similes and <laughs>
1: he's had too much sun.
4: Oh, hey, it, yeah, I've just had an <laughs> half hour drive to think of my lines, have not I? So you know that's it, you see.
0: Um we'll talk about some more possible incomings in a second, but but um Justin, just just back to you. What does these signings mean for perhaps some outgoing?s I mean, there's been talk of Bastian Samuel Bastian getting ready for a move back to Belgium. We, we kind of, I think, expected that, and I guess yeah. we shouldn't read too much into the city starting lineup. But there was no Charlie Taylor, no J Rodriguez in the match day squad. The likes of Cork and Brownhill were both on the bench. What do what do we expect from an outgoing? Do you think, in terms of well, you know, with a week or so left of the transfer window,
1: I think it's it's obvious a, a natural process, isn't it? That when you sign in, how I many how I many is it now? Is it twelve we signed in this window um, without without seeing too many too many disappear? I think there's only a couple gone out on loan, haven't we? I don't think we've sold one, out on
0: loan yet. and Bobby Thomas permanent um, of. Um, and then oh, maybe yeah, a couple yeah, of young yeah, yeah. as well. A couple
1: of young players out on loan. So they've there's got. We we don't want to end up with a bloated squad um, dragging on the wage bill, do we? We don't want that. So that it it makes sense that naturally some of those older stalwart players that we've seen are probably going to be making an exit fairly soon. I don't know whether Charlie Taylor is going to be one of them. I think he's still quite a useful player to have around, especially when he can play in a couple of positions. A lot of talk about. About um, Brownhill um, possibly making his way out, um, and and like like we said earlier, I think if we get a decent bid for him, um, I, I can I can see that one happening. Um, apart from that, you know, there's a few players there. Uh, I think Jared Rodriguez signed a new contract, didn't he? Like was it last season? So I can't see I can't see that that happening. But I think it's only natural that. Um, these these players are in, are in stages of the career that they want to be playing games, don't they? And a yeah. lot of these players who 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 were, um, you know, Daesh regulars, people like Jack Cork, as you mentioned, they're not going to be playing as much this season as they were last season. And you know, if if we get if we if we, get, it's all about getting offers in for them. Is it? it's all about getting people interested in them. Um, and I think um, I, I think we'll probably see that the outgoings accelerate a little bit over the next week before the window closes.
0: Yeah. And would it is do you feel that there's perhaps a, a danger when you have such a big high turnover and somebody, I think it was um Tony Scholes actually on up the clarets basically had a list of all of the company signings and you think about that over a two year period, not even a two year period, is it really? It's kind of twelve months. Such a huge turnover of players. Do you perhaps risk then having a group of 11 individual players and I'm not certain that's going to be the case but do you need some of those older heads like a cork like a brown hill to be the glue that at least for the first season or at least for the first half of the season glues that kind of team together do you think
2: you'd like to think so when you? you've got to have something you've got to have something that gels it's like that old idea of having that spine isn't it from your goalkeeper to your center half R3 midfield tier forward and it seems like I'm not overly sure whether we've kind of got the same that same kind of glue that we had last season like we had with Barnes up front etc and I don't see who's replacing all these people right now but time will tell you know um I think it's a lot of players to try and integrate especially in a Premier League season um and that's that's the fun of it isn't it
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think that's, you know, we talked about the excitement of being linked with all these kind of exciting players rather than, you know, some of the kind of old heads that we'd perhaps previously brought in. Um, Chris, I mean, Cullen signed his new deal. I think we kind of expected that. I think, you know, after Zorori and Benson signed their deals, you know, does Cullen now become that kind of elder statesman? you know, the lieutenant almost for, for company in the middle. I think he had the armband, did he not? Um, against City, perhaps, I think.
3: Yeah, he, he, he becomes the fulcrum of it. I mean, I wrote before uh, before he kicked a ball for Burnley, just speaking to, you know, the journalists over in Belgium, and uh, he, he was the one that understood the system. He was that sort of pivotal pivotal so, player who you know, he was the one who was dropping into the back three at elect. We didn't really see that as much because it ended up uh, inverting the uh, the fullbacks. But uh, yeah, he, he understood to you know to the nth degree the way uh, the way company wanted to play, and uh, it's just that that way, well, it's just a. A metronome, is he? You look at him; you know he's obviously a fit lad, but he's not this athlete that's getting going to get up and down and up and down. He's just going to sit in there and just keep things ticking over. You won't notice him during the game, but every week he'll be a, an eight out of ten sort of thing. But, uh, but looking at the sort of influx, I mean, it's obviously nowhere near as many as as Forest brought in last year. But if you look back, that Forest Forest team obviously were promoted uh, via the playoffs and didn't secure a lot of those lone players that they'd gone up with and ended up bringing like, well, nigh on 23, 24 players in took a long while to adapt. And we're in that sort of situation to a lesser extent where you've got another batch of players. They're going to have to, it was, we've all said how, 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 how remarkable it was that they, they gelled so quickly, so well last year. You're in the same boat again, almost. And, Steve Cooper's a damn fine manager. I know, you know, Vincent Cooper uh, Vincent Company's a damn fine manager as well. And, uh, I say, hopefully we have, the, we have the same outcome and they both, uh, you know, they, they stay in the Premier League.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting when you have such a high turnover and, and Simon, there's been a couple more links just before we start recording on Thursday night, Sasha, friend of the podcast. Um, a reported that Burnley had made the first move for Johan Bakayoko from PSV Eindhoven. He's a uh, another winger, Kelsey Sapries. Um, but can play a forward, got two assists against Rangers, I think, earlier in this week. And um, and of course yesterday, much to our amusement on the WhatsApp group, um, the Batman, uh, Michu Batswai, uh, he of the, the you know the former parish of Chelsea and Crystal Palace also linked. Um it's getting to silly season, isn't it, as we head to the last the last week of the window.
4: Yeah. And, and we do have some business that we need to conclude, really. I mean, you know, um, the left back and the striker positions that we've talked about for, for all summer, basically. Um, if Mattson isn't coming, then, then that left back position doesn't, it does need sorting. If we're going to play that system this year, um, are we are we perhaps switching to a three three centre backs? Signing yet another central defender suggests maybe that, that might be something that we do quite regularly. Um but yeah, the big striker, we talked about it on the last part, you know, looking for for somebody who can score goals. It's extremely difficult to do that. I mean, you look at a player who would have been a fantastic signing, uh Balogun. From from Arsenal, yeah. who scored scored all those goals in France last year, I think uh, twenty goals in in French uh, first division, and Arsenal, you know, were were, we're quoted as wanting thirty five million for him, which does seem to be, you know, even even our new big spending era seems to be out of our reach. That kind of striker. So you're in the position where, well, what are you going for as a striker? Are you going for someone like Bakayoko, who's who's not got a lot of experience? but he's really highly rated and he's been chased by a number of clubs and hope that that, that is going to, you know, he's going to live up to his potential. Or do you go the route that we've gone in the past, which is looking to the championship for somebody who was a top scorer there. And there doesn't seem an obvious candidate for that, really. I mean, probably Nathan Teller was that player, but, um, I think I think you know I think there is a problem here going back to what Chris was saying. I mean, I've, I've been thinking: Are we getting into forest territory? I mean, you know, as, as Chris rightly pointed out, the numbers aren't of that volume, but it's a lot to ask at the start of a season for all these players to gel together in the Premier League, playing against teams as good as the one we're playing on Sunday. It, it is going to be tricky to do that, and I'm a little i will be a little bit surprised if players like Brownhill in particular. Um, I think it's one thing to talk about Rod and Jack Cork, who, who perhaps time has caught up with both of those players, but Brownhill, he was a key player last year and, and I, I was presuming was going to be a key key part of our midfield this year. I don't really understand that, unless there's a contractual issue there that we don't know about, that he's not committing to something or that the club think they can cash in on him if an offer comes in that's, that's above, the, above what our valuation would have been for him, but I'm a bit concerned about that midfield area if we don't have that sort of continuity in there.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Wolves and West Ham both quartered, as being interested in in Brownhill um, over the last kind of seven days or so. Um, Justin, as Simon mentioned, there we are still a left back short and a um, and a, uh, a forward short. Mm. Do we perhaps look at? Somebody we perhaps looked at earlier in the window to solve our striking issues, Mika Tadzi down at Metz. I think he started with a, a goal against Marseille. He feels perhaps more than Amdouni as, as being more of a kind of central goal-getting striker. Mm. You know, how concerned are you at the, the fact that we're a week out and we've not quite got to, you know, the, well, the end of the shot list?
1: Uh... I am concerned. I'm concerned. I, I Like everybody else has said, I, I look at the squad and I'm not, I'm not hundred percent convinced that there's enough goals in the, in the squad for us to do well this season. I, I don't know where they're going to come from. So I think we still do need that player. But as Simon says, you know, everybody wants that player, don't they? Everybody wants that player who's going to get them 15 goals in the Premier League. And there aren't that many of them about, and they're very expensive. Um, So, I I I I I think the the most probable outcome is that we'll probably end up using one of those two premier league loans on on a player of that that uh, in that position perhaps perhaps uh, somebody from city or you know um I, I I just I just think paying the the kind of money that you're going to have to pay to get that player who's going to score you 15 goals in the premier league I don't think we've got that money and and I think um, it it, it it unless unless we can secure somebody on loan uh, who might do that for us, I think we're, we're, we're probably going to struggle. So maybe use one of those loans on someone like that, and then and then fill the 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 left back slot. I still think we need another defensive midfielder. I'm not convinced that Sander Burge is that guy who's going to, you know, sit sit in front of the back four and break things up. Um, you know, I I I, I do I do. Th- I do think that we need we need that sort of like player who's going to sit deep and, and and break things up that sort of shield for the for the back four. I don't I don't think we've we've signed that player yet either. So there's three outstandings there that that I think uh, I think we, the, the uh, slots that we need to fill, but I, I don't i i'd be very surprised uh if if any one of them is a player that i've ever heard of because so far this summer uh we haven't signed you know hardly anybody that i've heard of but i'm sure that um you know company's got a long list that he's working through and um you know you've got to trust him he's he, he did it last season did it in the summer he put a put together a great team that took the championship by, by storm. So you've got to you've got to put your trust in him and say that you know we've still got a week to go and and, and you know fingers crossed he's gonna fill those those holes in the squad.
0: Yeah. Chris cheer us up a little bit. There are <laughs> probably some lone players out there, are they not? I mean we mentioned Balogun um I hadn't heard of Balogun before he started his goal scoring exploits with um in the French league. You'd you'd hope that actually company might have his finger on the pulse for one of these kind of players at an Arsenal, or at a Chelsea or at a City, which perhaps is that surprise package. I mean, I can't remember the last time somebody in the Premier League had that impact, but there's got to be somebody out there, surely, to fill that striker spot or even that left spot if Matson's not available.
3: You've got to hope so, haven't you? But uh, it's... in turn, I mean, there's no sort of buzz about the Premier League, in terms of like you know, the, you know oh we've got this striker coming through at at Chelsea. There's younger uh, Doak at, at, at Liverpool that uh, came on as a sub uh, at uh, down at down at Chelsea. I see Balogun, I watched him play for the under twenty ones at Turf Moor, and that's you know with uh, Anthony Gordon and looked very impressive and. Uh, I think he went to he went to Burred and the on loan and didn't do uh, didn't pull any trees up there and then goes to France and and, and rips it up. But uh, it it might well be that you know you might turn to the free free market. I mean, there's some there's some players there that someone is going to take a chance on. I see this you know not not the company profile, but you know like Morelos is on a free So you know he knows where the he knows where the pegs are. Yeah, you know, you've still got Eden Hazard on a free tantalisingly if you, can, you know, if someone can get him fit. I see Ryan Bertrand's without a club, training with Chelsea. You know he might fill your left back void, but I, I, unfortunately, yeah, you know I don't see that happening. I think it will be a you know a young lone player. You know who, who, who's up and down more. Uh, you know probably more attack minded, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's someone will fit the metrics somewhere in Europe, or uh, you know, it, it'll have to be one of these loans. But I mean, who's City got behind, behind behind the first team behind Alvarez and Haaland? You know, Delap was the one everyone's raving about, and he's gone to the Championship and well, offered next to next to nothing in a couple of loan moves. So uh, maybe he's not you know not as good as everyone thought he was.
0: Yeah. Simon, what do you think about that it's you know it's a bit of a search for a needle in a haystack isn't it really?
4: it is I just actually Google news uh, Balogun because I haven't looked for the last few days to see what's going on with him and apparently Monaco are, are very close to securing a deal for him for 45 million. So you know it does put into perspective you know the chances of getting him he said right at the start of the of the, uh, of, of the summer that he didn't want to go on loan again he wanted a permanent move. Um, But you would have thought, you know, you you sort of think like he'd be be a good one. He's had a good season in France. And that's what we're talking about. 45 million for players like that. Mm. So that is the reality check. I think Chris has got a really good point there about scouting around for, you know, I mean, there are experienced strikers. And in that position, we've got so much youth and potential in, in the wide areas and in midfield that you sort of think, you know, Someone, I'm not suggesting him at all, because he's gone to play in ML, MLS now, but a, a, the type of player like Timu Pukki, who, who like was 28 years old, has been fished out of Europe, somebody who scored goals regularly, and has that confidence that he can put the ball in the back of the net. Maybe that kind of signing, obviously not him, before we start getting people on Twitter saying, what are these boys on about, suggesting we sign Pukki on loan from, uh, from Minnesota United. But... That kind of player, an experienced European goal scorer, and there are those players out there and they don't cost a fortune. But um you finding a young striker with no no real experience and expecting them to come in and be a fifteen goal a season man in the Premier League is really, really tough. You've got to do an amazing job to do that. Having said that, Am might be that player for all we know, you know, from a slightly deeper role. He might he might sneak in there and score a lot of goals. Yeah. Or oh,
0: uh, it could be uh, Foster, the, the guy who runs fast in straight lines from last week. It could be Foster. Um, it could be. I jest, of course. Are we now looking back at the decision to let Barnes go and wondering whether that was in haste, given the fact that he's been there, he's done it, he's spent a number of years in the Premier League. He's not going to get you 15 goals, clearly. But he was almost the foil for the likes of Benson and Teller, especially in the second half of the season, to to get that. Do you think we might regret perhaps not keeping Ashley for another 12 months, perhaps?
2: You may do, but it also maybe speaks to uh, company's intent that he's quite willing to play somebody slightly older in a position as a stopgap to do something in a particular job. So maybe that maybe there is something in the pipeline to get somebody slightly older to do something to be that glue and to who who is proven. I mean, there's a lot of hope there, but maybe that's maybe that's what we will be looking at, and I think it would make sense.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's leave the transfer news there. Uh, in a second, we're going to talk about the forthcoming game against Aston Villa. So Aston Villa, the visitors to Turf Moor at the weekend. fair to say a bit of a mixed start in the premier league for for aston villa smashed on the opening uh, weekend by a very 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 good looking newcastle team i think we kind of all said that they looked the best in week one um and then uh, dished out a bit of a beating to uh sean dash's everton last weekend and then coming to the game on sunday at turf Moor um on the back of a, a very comprehensive win against hips on wednesday evening um Simon, it, it, it kind of feels like the Premier League season kicks off for us on Sunday, doesn't it? And I kind of thought, well, Villa might be the kind of ideal opponent, but nine goals without replying the last two games, a hat-trick for Ollie Watkins, albeit against a rather poor-looking Hibs side, this is going to be a big test for us, isn't it?
4: It is. It's a really big test. And um, at least they've got their backlash out of the way after the Newcastle yeah. game. You know, if we'd have played them the week after, I think, you know, you might be th- looking at something similar to what Everton got. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think it is a really big test because these are the kind of games that, that you know, you, where are Villa expected to finish realistically? I know people have been hyping them up as top four. I don't think they are at all. But, you know, they, they'd be hoping to for, you, you know, Europa League, Conference League positions, that sort of top eight, maybe. Um, those are the kind of teams that you're probably looking to get something against at home. You know, um, at, at least a point against teams like that, um, and you know it's only a couple of years since Villa were kind of at our level, weren't they, in the Premier League? And and it, and it feels like they they've moved into a different stratosphere, and obviously we've we've had to come back up, but um, it is a big test because you, you know you don't want another result like the City one against Villa. You know, you you want to be you want to be competing and getting something out of that game. And we've had two weeks now on the training ground as well, where you really hope that we're a bit more prepared than than we were against City, and that and that the, the idea of the starting eleven will be a little bit more firmly uh, entrenched in Company's mind and the game plan a little bit clearer. So it's a big test. It's a big test. There's no, you know, we're way, we're still way early in the season, so there's no must-win games or anything, but you know, it's not. You don't you don't want to be losing this one.
0: Chris, I mean, we're coming into the back of this, um, you know, on the back of a couple of positive results ourselves, uh, you know, a a fairly comprehensive win against. Um, Dundee United, I think it was, last Friday. And then um, a convincing win against um, Manchester United, 3-0, we believe, at Carrington the other day. Um, I mean, that got plenty of ridicule in the the national press and amongst the kind of banter merchants on, uh, on Twitter. But it can't do us any harm going into and getting 90 minutes, even if it's spread across 330 minutes, against a team like United. Would you take a point against Villa if if I offered it you now, or or do you kind of see that as, you know, a, a kind of slightly defeatist attitude going into a game like that?
3: No, no, I'm, I'm with Simon. I think if you can get something against Villa, I think that's a, a, a fine result. It's, uh, yeah, I'd take a point all day long. I, I, I look at, I look at how they finish the season. And Emery's come in and, and you know, got a, You know, giving them a real clear. Identity now, you know, and I looked. You know, the summer the summer business looks like you know very very canny, very astute. But their opening lineup at Newcastle didn't look too dissimilar from last season. So they've got that sort of uh, you know that, that continuity. And I say I'm I, again you know, without without agreeing with Simon too much. I don't see them troubling the top four, but i, I, I very much expect them to be top seven, top eight. And uh, yeah, they've they, they've they've got quality all over the place, haven't they? You know, they 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 can afford to. You know, Mings is going to be out for the foreseeable, but they've got uh, you know quality backup in their You know, World Cup winning goalkeeper. It's uh, you know Watkins, who's you know he's, he's hot and cold, but he's you know he's, he's currently uh, currently very very warm. And uh, I, I expect it's going to be an extremely difficult afternoon. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd take a nil nil row one one, and you know any
0: time, yeah. Yeah, and Woody, I, I mean, definitely let's not turn this into a 2010 general election. I agree with Nick Fest and all agree with Simon, because <laughs> um, we know that that never ends well, but um, Villa, do you expect them to kind of have as good a season this season as they ended last season? As Chris said, Emery's coming, he's a bit of an identity manager, I I think. I remember watching him when he was Al manager nearly 20 years ago, and it seems to have crafted a really lovely looking squad there with Tielemans coming in and he's been used sparingly up until now um Duran i think it is up front the RB all of that lot they are a good side aren't they and do you feel that some Burnley fans are perhaps you know i might have been guilty of it thinking it's a you know not a tapping as such but a game where yeah of course we can get something against villa at all i
2: think i think they're right. anybody who's saying that is wrong. It's not the Villa of two years ago. It's a it's a far better drilled side, and as we know, had they had a full season with uh, MRA, they would have finished something around fifth, wouldn't they? So they are looking at being a top six side, and I think it's more of a legitimate benchmark as to if we get something against Villa, it shows that we're we'll probably have a better season than maybe. Some of us anticipated, but if we if we take a drubbing off Villa, then I think you know there'll be there'll be some distraught folk on Sunday Sunday evening.
0: And, and luckily, Justin, it is a bank holiday, so if it does all go badly wrong, we can all just get drunk in any number of bars across Burnley. But how do you uh-huh. expect us to line up against Villa? Because I, I'm I'm not 100 <laughs> certain that the Man City lineup gave us too many clues as to the. The, the kind of settled starting eleven, or even the system that that company no. wants to play. I,
1: I've got to be honest with you. I've got absolutely no idea. I couldn't even. I couldn't even. Any any, any position on the pitch, I think, is still up for grabs. Uh, I think probably. Let's have a think. Who who is who is uh, the first name on the, on the team sheet? Probably Jordan Bayer's is going to definitely going to play. I wouldn't surprise me if Muric was in goal over Trafford it wouldn't surprise me if um if Eckdal uh, played at left back it wouldn't su- I, I just uh, you know I, th- th- I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about this season um I haven't got a clue you, we normally have a pretty good idea don't we about who these players are where they can play what they can do where they're up to we normally have a pretty I- a good idea about about what sort of system we're going to play, and and what our what our ideal first team is going to be? Honestly, I can't, I I couldn't tell you now. I couldn't tell you what the team's going to be. I couldn't even guess it. Um, yeah. but also, I, I, what's interesting, I think about that is, I bet I bet Unai Emery can't guess what team we're going to play either, which is probably, um, to our advantage. Um. I, he surprised us against City. Certainly surprised me. Uh, that wasn't the team I was expecting in any regard, and I'd be very surprised if that same team starts uh, on 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 Sunday. So we've got that sort of element of surprise, haven't we? We've got that sort of, you know, if they don't know, if we if we don't know who they're going to play, then you know the 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 the, the opposition don't know either. I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't I don't I think I think Villa are a much better side than than everyone's given them credit for. I think when when uh, Emery came in we all saw how I think they you know they've always had good players, haven't they? But I think the shambolic management under Steven Gerrard when that ended and Emery came in, he was able to sort of uh, you know, identify and and galvanize that team into something that turned into a much better side than went before without really adding much to it and i think there could be there could be surprise contenders for top 4 this season i think he's a great manager and i think he's got a great set of players there and i think it's going to be a really tough game for us i w- i would definitely take a point um but again if they are going to if they are going to be in that sort of top 6 7 the results against teams like that aren't going to be where we get the points to stay up. We need to be focusing on, on picking those points up against the teams that are going to be around where we think we'll finish. But a point against Villa on Sunday, I think would be a very, very good sign. Um, It's, it's going to be a hard game, but they're all hard games in this league, aren't they? But it'll give us a, it'll give us a few more clues about where we are. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. And just in, uh, mentioned there, Chris, you know the excitement of not knowing what the the team is going to be. At some point, that team you'd, you'd expect would become settled. And um, just looking at some of them positions that we looked at, you know, Justin said, "Who's the first name?" I th- I think Cullen's probably the first name on the the team sheet, and then everything is kind of built around him. There's been some rumours about Bayer perhaps being injured. I know there's some kind of nonsense. Some you know. Uh, some Facebook posts about him doing his ACL against Dundee United, somebody um, he'd, he'd not even played against Dundee United. There's all this kind of weird kind of rumour that kind of just adds to that mystique of us not knowing what we're going to play. Who do you expect to kind of start in those key positions, perhaps at goalkeeper and perhaps that forward three, if you will? Do you have any any clue who might be there?
3: Well, you, you can only hope with, with Bayer, and pray. I mean, why? Why do you go out and sign a left-sided centre-back for three million euro? You know, he's it, maybe there is, you know, you know, no, no smoke without fire, sort of thing. But they could only pray because the you know the lad is sheer class. I thought he was absolutely sensational against Harland, second half uh, against City. He barely gave him a kick. He, he went up to him, man. Man to man, and stood up to his physicality. You know, he, his pace. You know, he matched him for pace, matched his movement. Oh, it's absolutely terrific. You know, he's striding out with the ball, and uh, he, he's the absolute business. But it, I, I don't think anyone can pick this Burnley team until we get this left-sided player lined up. Because ultimately, we're lopsided, aren't we? We, you know, started with this back three, back five i you know, Al De Keel on the right of that, he ended up on the left of that second half. He was it was you know and you know it, it, it in in front of the back uh, you know the, the you know the back four at one stage, back three, however you, know, you want to wanted to look at it, it was all over the place, Al Kiel. So I you know I think I think Al a stick on. I think him and Bayer are the first choice centre backs think like, you know Roberts is Roberts is your man at uh, you know you know the right sided role whether he's a wing back or a or a full back Trafford he's he's nailed his colours to the mast he's he's spent what he's spent on Trafford Trafford's gonna play come what may I think unless you know, you know, barring an injury and a, a, a loss of form or suspension uh but you'd imagine Berge and Cullen being you know two two starting there and yeah, I thought, I thought Colli Oshaw was a real bright spark. I think he'll be involved again. You know, he give Burnley, a, you know, a great deal on the night. And again, I I, I think he's going to, you know, pin you know, pinny, pinny, pinny's uh, pinny's colours to the mast again with uh, with Foster. You know, he's he's his man, and he's going to he's going to go with him. So you imagine I'm I'm doing. He's one of those as well. So maybe not much room to uh, to to manoeuvre with.
0: Yeah, and Simon, it is a bit of a guessing game, but I mean, one of the kind of players who um, we we've we've not mentioned, and he's kind of signing fell between the the two podcasts, is the the lad from from Troyes, the other winger, Odebert, uh, is it Odebert. Um, he's somebody else who we've not even factored in. I mean, we mentioned Colio because he was one of the surprise inclusions against City. Um, it does feel lopsided, doesn't it? As as we've mentioned there, but do you agree with Chris just to kind of get the, the kind of mutual loving going again that actually until we get somebody who is going to play left back, it is going to feel a little bit round pegs in square holes or square pegs in round holes, whichever way you round, you want to say it.
4: Yeah. Unless he, unless he bites the bullet and plays Charlie Taylor there, um, which he, he's, he's not shown any indication that that's what he wants to do. Um Which I think is, I do think it's a bit harsh on Charlie Taylor to be honest, because I think you know he's actually a proven left back in the Premier League. He's done it season after season, Um, and and we're 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 behaving as though we've got no left back whatsoever. I mean, how must he feel? Like you know, it must be quite gutting for Charlie Taylor really to have all that experience at left back in the Premier League, and you've seen people played out of position, and people like us saying, well, we've no left back you know, we have got a left back, but company doesn't want to play him because he doesn't feel like he fits into his system, which is fair enough. In In the attacking question, yeah, I mean, you might be right about, uh, you know, an unexpected addition in the attacking line, because is effectively out until the middle of September, isn't he now? Um, as a result of that challenge on Carl Walker at the end. So, the, the you know, the, and then there's Benson. You know, he's Benson. I, I presume Benson must not have been fully fit uh, for the City game, but Two weeks on, he might be. So you know, we might see we might see Benson on one flank and Colliosho on another, or we might see the new lad come in there, or we might sign another winger tomorrow morning and uh, and, and and he starts. You know, it, it is it is it is pretty fluid. I agree with Chris. There are there are some names there. Uh, I wouldn't be, but I also agree with Justin that you know it wouldn't be massively shocking the way things have gone with this pre season if he does start Murich instead of, instead of Trafford. Because you know, he's just thrown these things out of left field at us. Um, I think we'll find out against Villa though what, what he thinks his starting lineup is. I think we all said don't read too much into the City starting lineup. Um, but we should read a lot into what the, the Villa starting lineup is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Fab, another friend of the uh the podcast for Romano has, has literally just tweeted that uh PSV have rejected The Burnley proposal for Bacary so we might have to wait at least another week until we get the conclusion.
4: They were crap anyway. We didn't need it. (laughs) Absolutely rubbish. Come on, let's get on.
0: Who's that? Carto, who's just signed for Seville, who apparently came from medical and decided he wants to play European football. Forget him. We don't need him. Let's Uh, move on.
1: You know, Lyle Foster.
0: He's no Lau Foster, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure this guy even runs in straight lines faster or otherwise. Oh, that's going to um, stick
4: all year, that one, that isn't it? He's is
0: going to stick all year. That and your, when he gets uh,
4: his 15th goal of the season. Sure
0: and he just points towards Miami from turf four. <laughs> he, he finds out in advance where Miami is and just reveals his yeah. t After his straight
4: line goal celebration, yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
4: Nobody um, will be
1: complaining.
0: Of course exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, it is a bit of a surprise though, Woody, isn't it? it, it have, you, uh, have you got your crystal ball out there in Cleveland and can you shed any light? I'm, You know, if I was to kind of hold a gun to your head and say Murich or Trafford, who are you going for? And if I was going to say Bayer or Shea or Bayer and Keel, who are you going for?
2: I think he's going to play Trafford. I think he's shown with Foster that he has favourites. And I think he's invested a lot of money in Trafford and he's not here to be his number two. So I think he has to play Trafford. I think the keel play play with uh, Bayer. Um I think maybe because he has that additional pace. Um so yeah, that's that's what I go with, especially with a gun to me head.
0: Excellent stuff. Dumb. Well, when we come back after this show break, we will talk about um perhaps alk's biggest monetary outlay um the deal to sign uh, or sign up or overtake or take over whatever you want a belgian club we'll be back after this So this news surfaced quite a while ago that Burnley were one of a couple of people, or a couple of parties interested uh, in purchasing uh, the, the football club in Cortrique uh, in Belgium, a lovely part of the world, Co-Trique. Um, And we kind of dismissed it as we wanted to spend any money that ALK might spend on a... Um, on a football club on actual football players. Um, I think the spending now is close to €100 million. Euros. Um, but it seems that the deal for Courtrique, which is, I think, currently owned by Vincent Tan, he of uh, Cardiff City fame, if that's what we want to call it. Um, yeah, the old tap on the head, the old kind of football shirt over uh, a normal shirt tucked into the pants. Um, <laughs> 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 that's, uh, that's fashion now, bit, isn't it? <laughs> very, very Bond villain-esque, a football-supporting Bond villain. Um, Simon, we were really dismissive of this court move by ALK, weren't we, at the start of the summer? I mean, I know I, I think I was the only flag waver just due to the fact that I'd visited the city and it's pretty decent. Do you see any advantages now, given that we have got perhaps a more inflated squad, to having a feeder club? And, and you know, do you see this as a good deal for ALK and ultimately for Burnley Football Club?
4: Well, I have kind of changed my mind on it. Yeah, when I've looked at what they've done in the market this summer, where they are going out and seem to be looking to to sweep up uh, young talent, underrated talent, unproven talent, really, that if we can establish ourselves in the Premier League, uh, which is a big if, a big if this season, uh, but if we can establish ourselves there, then we will have reached a level where these those kind of players Aren't going to be coming anywhere near to our first team level. You know, if, if we, if, if the players we've signed and, 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 and the quality that we hope we have means that we can finish 12th in the Premier League, then 2 million euro signing midfielders aren't getting in that side. So having a place where you can put them all together and have them be trained in the company system. Go through all those 100 hours that we've talked about and do all that in one place in a club that is a mini Burnley and then fish out the ones that are showing the brightest talent and look ready for the Premier League. I can totally see the benefit of that, actually. So having having said, you know, let's let's run one club before we can run two, I, I would alter that opinion and say, yeah, if that's the way we're going with these signings, it does make sense.
0: Uh, just did a bit of a collector's item there, Simon. It could be that son in Miami kind of agreeing with um, something that <laughs> Don Pace, as he's affectionately known by some Claret supporters, uh, content creators. Um, He's actually agreeing that he thinks this might be a decent idea now. Yeah, he has a few-
1: smile on his face even. He
0: does, doesn't he? I, I, I'm <laughs> kind of wondering what he's been what he's been on at the cricket. There are a few too yeah. many shandies, I think. But um, I mean, we saw this week that the move that we were looking at uh, is it uh, Lucky Bacchio from Hertha Berlin's move to Seville, and there's some talk of the same controlling group being in charge of both those sides and that has aided that transition for for him to move to sevilla rather than than come to surf more yeah. aside from it being a good weekend destination for you know for for burnley fans and somebody else to follow are you also on board now with this feeder club or a club which we can use to you know better them within the belgian league but also actually prove as a you know a bit of a, a testing ground for some of the talent we're going to be linked with
1: not really no i i i just think it's a this idea of owning i think the idea is to own a string of clubs isn't it at different levels yeah. that can feed into each other I, it just seems to me to be like a solution in term, in in search of a problem you know we we already have a, a, a the loan system where you can get players out of the club which to me i mean i can what simon says about it them, them sort of all going together, learning the company way and 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 that side of things. That makes a, a bit of sense to me. But also there's the possibility with the loan system of placing players in environments that are a benefit to them so they can go to a club that's right for them with a manager and coaching system that's right for them, playing the kind of football that, that's right for them. So we all, we already have a way of doing what, what we're talking about without having the risk of having to buy and run another football club which, if you if you've got if you've got this this string of, of clubs like, like like I think the intention is ultimately to have more than one feeder club, it, it it develops this sort of house of cards scenario where, you know, you run the risk of the one at the top, which is obviously Burnley, um, propping up some of these clubs financially if they don't if they can't make their their own way and. Um, they end up just being a bit of a liability drain in the resources. And I, I don't the risk to me um out, outweighs the gains. We already have a way of doing it. We are we already have a way of, of getting these players experience. Um if we if we're savvy with where we place them, what clubs we, we entrust them to, then there's no reason why we need to risk spending money on buying clubs as a, as a place to place them and and if they do have if they do have money to buy other clubs I'd rather they spend it you know upgrading the facilities at Turf Moor you know nobody can argue that you know what we, we've got like the best stadium in the league so I'd rather spend it at home than than risk investing it in another business that you know, it's hard enough running one football club, isn't it? Imagine running, running three, three or four. You know, I'm not sure that risk is worth it.
4: Well, maybe we could loan him Russell Ball to sort of introduce some fan experience into Belgium, and they can get like a black charcoal wall and some doner kebab sausage rolls or something. Do you think they'd go down well in Belgium? I don't know.
0: I think think the Donner... Honestly, um, I know just it's your first visit to the turf this season on Sunday. The Donner sausage roll, I mean, it's £4.20, which is, you know, I've got a slight (laughs) issue with a £4.20 sausage roll. Um, I'm going for it. Yeah, but I mean, Chris, I mean, Justin seems to want to spend it on more LED screens. I think Harry Garlic (laughs) might have run out of LED screens in Burnley Town Centre. Might have to go to the Paddy and Branch to get more in. (laughs) It kind of works for City, but I don't see what
3: Benefits
0: he wants LSD screens. <laughs> LSD screens. I'm not sure what's, what benefits that City get, other than the kudos of owning several football clubs. I mean, I know there's kind of this thought process that actually, you know, perhaps assistant managers can then go out and get experience as managers and you kind of have that. And I know, you know, um, and, uh, Costa, Costa Coglu, whatever he's called down at Spurs, was, was you know, formerly <laughs> at a City group, um, when he was in Japan. Do you see that kind of, you know, we've had two arguments. We, you know, do you want to see the money spent at home or are you quite happy that, you know what, as long as it doesn't affect the running of Burnley football club, there is some fringe benefits to getting players out on loan to a, a league where we've been successful in bringing players over from?
3: I've, I've got to look at sort of, you know, I like think Barnsley's owners have, do they have four or five clubs, something like that? And you look at obviously you mentioned see you know, the CFG, you know, and, and City City sent Vieira out to to manage New York City, and Lampard went there before becoming a City player. I, 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 he, I can't remember whether he went out to, on loan before City could pick him up, but I, I can't recall any sort of occasion where. I mean, how many players have come out of these these clubs that City own, and City have like, yeah, you know, think Aaron Moy came out of uh, Melbourne, Melbourne and they sold yeah. him to Uddersfield Town for 10, 10 million quid. Well, great, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I do, exactly. So, but it's you know, I think Leicester have had a time with Liven and there's Midgetland and Brentford and the, there's all these like little examples, but I don't see a conveyor belt. The, the the only way you, you, well, the only one you look at is, is is udinese and watford but udinese were always at a standard higher than watford you know udinese had players like alexis sanchez and at the time you know, they were lending them vidra who turned out to be the championships you know player of the season when he went to watford and things like that they were you know they were they weren't quite good enough for you know top half serie a but they were more than good enough for the championship, and uh, that's the one—the one partnership where you think, well, yeah, Watford probably profited out of that. But I just don't see. It. I mean, Burnley have had these tides for two or three years now with uh, ten points. Yeah, uh, Landudno well. and yeah, uh, you know, Cold Ramblers. <laughs> I can't remember the other. But yeah, we've got back to carry, Carolina. Right, yeah, uh, is it Air uh, United? Uh, United.
0: Carolina Rail
3: Yeah, Carolina Railhawks. Hawks. Oh well, Burnley played a, a, a friendly there one summer. I think that was about the, the only benefit they got. You know, you, you didn't see any players come. You know, going out <laughs> there on loans for experience. You know, you weren't developing. Or you're taking the best talent to come here. It's. I mean, they were you know short-lived. That was a short-lived enterprise. But uh, I just like like Justin said, it's it's, it's hard enough. To successfully run one club, never mind a group.
0: Yeah, and Simon, I mean, this this kind of idea of multiple club ownership. I think Chris makes a really interesting point there. A, City don't have this conveyor belt of stars that are coming through, and you know, Brighton perhaps have used it quite well. With um, is it Union? They've got over there. Union sent uh, Gallois. Um, you know, they had the. Um, you know, a couple of players who've gone there first, toughened up to kind of European standard football and then come to um, come to Brighton. I mean, they are kind of the model that everybody holds up with the amount of sales that they brought in. It, do, how do you see it working? Do, do you see it as a, you know, a part of the Burnley family? Or could this just be A-OK as the vehicle, as the investment vehicle, diversifying its portfolio and the two remain you know, essentially, as separate entities.
4: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Brighton, a lot of their recruitment and their big profits have come from from South America as well. Yeah. They've gone fishing in a market that a lot of people don't look at, which is promising young talent in South America, which ends up in the Premier League, but usually via Spain or Portugal, and and then comes in. Um, Belgium's, you know, Belgium, Belgium's not a m- tremendous market. I mean, there's a lot of good young players coming out of Belgium at the moment. But if you you know you go through your list of top ten Belgian Premier League players and it's not particularly brilliant once you get past five or six, is it? Um, so you know, would you do it in Belgium? I mean, the model the model has worked really well for Red Bull. You know, they they have moved players around from club to club and got and, and you know the and concern there. The concern there is that Leipzig is the big the big brother and gets the benefit of all and Salzburg get unhappy because they lose people and New York doesn't really come into it that much other than on the coaching side. Um, it's not something that I would think was a priority for the club, to be honest. I, 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 I take Justin's point that there are other ways of doing it. And and Chris makes a very valid point that you know other examples haven't produced a, the city football group. I don't think is really about producing players for city. To be honest, I think it is about it's about other things. Let's just say that. But but you know it's, that's a long a long discussion. But if we are going if we are going to be you know I mean the business model is to buy these undiscovered talents and try and sell them at, at, at profits and so on. Can do they think that they can't do that just within the framework of, of Burnley Football Club? It appears to be the case. Um, so I can see the logic in it, you know. It, it, it would be quite fun though to, to send a few of our of the club's executives over there and, and then we can tell the Belgian fans what they can expect. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good content for season two of Mission to uh. Mission to Co-Treek. that be yeah, exactly. fantastic, yeah. would not it?
0: <laughs> Love yeah. that. There is there is season two of Mission to Burnley. Um, there is signs up around the club in the exec boxes, I believe, really? to say that really way for um, from the the same production company. So I think there is going to be a second series of that particular um, documentary series that I think it's fair to say we enjoy to a certain extent. But uh, yes, yeah, so well, that is
3: top ten. It's top ten, you know. When you go on, you go on the Sky Glass. Other products yeah. are available, it's, but it comes up as on the top ten, you know. So it's uh, people are watching it, not an of Burnley as well. You'd suggest.
0: Yeah, mm. definitely, definitely, uh, excellent. So, well, let's leave it there. Next week, we're going to come back. Uh, we'll we'll have some more hopefully transfer news because we'll be recording it the day before the uh, the transfer window slams shut because they never close it carefully, do they? It's always <laughs> slams shut. I'm surprised it's still got its glass in. Um, but hopefully, we'll have a review of uh, another food stuff from the turf from Justin um, and perhaps yeah. he might be able to use the self-ordering screens uh, this week when he goes on. But uh, thanks as ever to uh, to Chris, to Woody, to Sam and to Justin uh, for joining us this episode uh, don't forget you can follow us on all your favourite social media platforms and by that I mean Twitter Stroke, X and Facebook just search for Behold Podcast uh, and don't forget to drop us a like, a share and a review on iTunes because it does help fellow Burnley fans find us as well um, until next time thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week